Hey, everybody, and welcome back in to Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me, and Jimmy Stein, that's Jimmy. How are you today? Good. One more day closer to the cure, closer to the vaccine, and let's just pretend like it's not happening today and we don't have to contemplate canceling football, even though I'm pretty sure we're going to end up having to cancel football. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I'm, I'm, boy, that, it just hates even, I hate even saying that crap out loud, but it feels like that's coming, um, one way or the other. So, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, hey, hey, everybody, have a good day. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, but hey, what all that means is the 2021 season will be the most anticipated season of all time. There won't be a season any more anticipated than 2021 if we don't have one in 2020. Good point, I think. I mean, whatever. I mean, Mr. Brightside, um, <laughs> appreciate that. A uh, few odd and end things, and then we're going to do something different. Uh, we said that we were going to rehash the 2015 Iron Bowl, which I think we'll do tomorrow now. But um, – you came out with something interesting for Crimson Country Club, which is uh, the predicted signing class for this upcoming season. Yep. And so I think we'll do that next. Uh, but first, a couple of odd ends. Um, to nobody's surprise, uh, Kyra Lewis and um, John Petty will explore their options. And and especially now, because you don't know what in the hell's going to happen. Uh, I mean, who knows? I mean, when the next time will anybody will even take the court again? So you might as well just put your name out there, see what's going on. It wouldn't hurt anyway, and they would have probably gone this route regardless of the coronavirus. But I mean, I, I'm all for it. Go ahead. And it, it seems like Nate Oates took the posture of, "Hey, you know, we will." Be okay with or without them. We will miss them. We love them. Best of luck. But, uh, you know, if they don't come back, they don't come back. Well, here's the thing. And it's just so typical of me because I'm so, I don't know what the word is. I'm so uh, cynical when it comes to the kids that surround these guys. Because, I mean, the, the guys that surround these kids, it, it's not the kid. They, they listen to people, whether it's their parents, their uncles, their AAU coaches, their their cousins, I don't know who they listen to. And, and I get sort of cynical about it because I somehow always doubt that it's really good advice. But imagine a world where John Petty could say, hey, I want to think about entering this draft. I'd like some feedback. And he gets a report back signed by the general manager of all 30 NBA teams that says, we have reviewed your application for entry into the draft. While you are an impressive college basketball player, and we appreciate your commitment to our sport and your hard work, it is our understanding you're only a year away from graduating from the university. It is our opinion at this time that if you entered the draft, you would not be selected in round one or round two. You may get an invite to a training camp but the odds of making the team as an undrafted free agent are very, very long. We urge you to go back to school and complete your degree requirements at Alabama and work on the following things that might make you an attractive draft prospect a year from now. Your ball handling, your passing, 
work on these things, and perhaps one year from now, you'll get good news from the NBA on draft night. Signed, all 30 GMs. Imagine a world in which he receives that letter and takes it to heart and actually does what the letter says. And he graduates from Alabama and he enters the draft next year when he's more ready and has improved his weaknesses. Imagine that. But does that happen? No, no. Some agent who's going to make $50,000 on the deal uh, just just built, oh, you're going to get drafted. They tell everybody this. They want everybody to turn to school. And, and then just feeds, feeds their head full of nonsense, knowing the entire time that he's going to make his cut of, of Petty's European deal. And, and it, it's just, it, it, it's disgusting to me. Um, Sorry. Yeah, for the boy, I, I like the way you had that letter all. That's pretty good. Huh? That's out, man, that, was, that was the lawyer. That was, in me. that was the lawyer in me coming out. I, I write I, a lot of letters. Yeah, I dig that. <laughs> um, I mean, you already had it. You even signed it. I mean, <laughs> I signed it. All thirty yeah. NBA GMs. Yep. Wow, I was. That's a really good idea. It's a really good idea if you could do. I mean, I don't know how they do it, but that's really a good idea. But the problem is, it, it and it isn't the letter, and it isn't the process. The process is great. The idea that guys can kind of see where they stand and based on that feedback, enter the draft or return to school, I think is fantastic. The problem is, they still don't listen. Yeah. Well, and you're right. That is definitely a problem. There is no doubt that's a, a big problem. However, you know, it's hard. it's got to be hard as as a John Petty. Um, and I'm, you know, yes, you have to be smart about this. And there, but you're John Petty, and since you've been able to dribble a basketball, you've been told, "Hey, you're the next hot shit." Um, right. And you know, then it comes time for you to be the hot shit and everybody's like yeah you know what maybe you need some more baking time for your hot enough you know it's uh so i mean it's got to be hard and look i'm i'm pro petty coming back i'm not one of these guys that i've seen some people on message boards who i think are really sort of out there and, and whistling past the graveyard on some of these some of these things that Can uh, Nate Oates' guys in there? Oh, okay, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I'll take the, the, I'll take the, the same Petty. Yahoos. These are the same Yahoos that were fine when Braxton Key left. They were fine when Trevor Lacey left. They were fine when Pollard left. They were fine when every single player that's left that's made someone else better. They were fine. They they, they couldn't wait for that little point guard to leave the, the the program. The one that ends up starting at Arizona. They couldn't wait. Justin Coleman. They couldn't wait for him to to hit hit the door. That's how the people, Alabama basketball fans are like that. If they've seen you play and determined that you're not a first-round pick in the draft, then get the hell out. That's what they're like. It, it boggles my mind. Well, on some other news, and look, it, we've got some time to figure out what, or not figure out, but just see how it unfolds with, um, with Petty and with Kyra Lewis. I mean, there's, I mean, Kyra needs to come out. I, I think Kyra's going to be selected in the first round. I hate it because, I mean, one thing I might would sell Kyra on is, hey, look, pal, he, 
yeah, you're going to be drafted in the first round. You will get first round guaranteed money. It's a lot of money to turn down. You're not dumb for doing this. As a matter of fact, I'm probably dumb for telling you this. But what I'm telling you is the fact, Kyra. Yes, you would be drafted in the first round. Yes, you get guaranteed millions. But think of this. Had you stayed in school in high school in your 12th grade year, you're, you're only as old as the true one and done's. You're not two and done. You're really one and done. And I would ask you, are you ready to be a professional athlete and all that's required of you? I'm not asking if you're ready to get the check. I know you are, and I know your family is, and I know everybody around you ready to get that check. But are you ready to be a professional basketball player? Because if he's not ready to be a professional basketball player and enters the league anyway, that one guaranteed check he's going to get is the only one he'll ever get from the NBA. And yeah, that's that, right. That's what that's what he needs to look in the mirror. And and again, I'm not saying he needs to come back. I'm just saying you need to consider that you only enter the league one time. If you enter the league before you're ready and the league eats you alive, then that's it. That's it. And Kyra is not the most physically imposing guy. He is going to get really outmuscled by the other point guards around the league. And, and yes, he's quick, but welcome to the NBA. They're all quick. The 6'10 guys are quick. I mean, th- th- that it's, so I'm saying what made Kyra stand out at this level, he might not stand out so much at the next level. And by the way, they're going to expect you to score and hell, some nights Kyra couldn't help us beat Vanderbilt. So good luck beating the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. No, that's so, anyway. Boy, I didn't know. I was, I was excited to do this podcast. I seem to be in a bad mood about everything. Boy, you are. You're pissy. I, I am. Maybe it's because uh it's too early. Maybe it's because it's too early in the day to drink when we when we cut these things. Maybe we ought to cut them a little later after I've after I've had a, a bourbon or two to settle down from the uh stressful work day um okay well here's something that is positive uh apparently uh, nados did come out and say he expects us to have a commitment by the end of the week um judging by the crystal balls being put in seems like it will be joshua primo uh which would be a great pickup um no doubt uh, he's shackleford to me he's shackleford i mean to me he's like a really similar player to Jaden shackleford He's just ranked a heck of a lot higher, which is probably good news. Maybe he's a better, bigger Shackelford. That would be nice. Uh, now, here's the interesting thing about him, too. Um, he's got a Kyra Lewis thing going on where he is um, – he's entering – you know, he, he's reclassifying. So he's going to be one of the right. younger dudes. Um, yep. And, look, it worked out for Kyra, but there were times – Last year, this year, where you could tell Kyra was the youngest guy on the court, right? Yeah, yeah. And it, it, the maturity is a thing. And I know the players are rarely self-aware enough to really take that seriously, but I take it hugely seriously. I even disagree with friends of mine who are really football smart and business savvy, and, and they think I'm too too hard on the on these these kids when I, when I get upset about them coming out they're, they're always doing the right thing because there's money at the end of it and they have a limited earning capacity because there's only so many years you can you can play play for money I, I get if I get all of it I get all of it but what I want for these kids is not a check I want bunches of checks I, I don't want this to be the last 
contract Kyra ever signs in the NBA, you know, and, and I, I still think more long-term and I think too, and it gets back to one mathematical principle. It's, it's just simple. This part of simple math to me too. The amount of kids that come out early that are making a career ending mistake is a large percentage. The amount of kids that stay in school another year and that proves to be a mistake is a very small percentage. If you're making a mistake, more likely the mistake is coming out. Yeah, that's true. I mean, how how many times has a guy made them, you know, come back and and dropped a lot? I mean, there there's got to be an example. I just don't know it right off the top of my head. Do you do you remember one? No, I mean, let's just use Kyra as the example. I mean, right now, Kyra is in the first round in a lot of mocks, somewhere between 20 and 30. He's in a lot of mocks. Let's say Kyra comes back. Is he going to fall in the second round? Why? Is he going to get fat and slow? Is he going to get slower? No, as a matter of fact, I think his shot's going to improve. He's going to be a year mature. He's going to be a better player. I I don't understand the idea that if Kyra comes back, he could fall. Why? Now, he could come back and have a debilitating injury. He could have a Ronald Steele situation. That would be truly tragic, and that would be the, see, he should have come out. I agree, but the odds of that are much smaller than, say, Kyra comes out and actually goes in the second round and gets a non-guaranteed deal and then gets cut in camp, and now he's got no money, and he can't go back. You know, So I, 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 I can't really imagine what most – and here, here's another thing. This was said 15 years ago, and it still bothers me. I read on, I'm sure it was on TR, one of the big message boards. It still bothered me. This is like literally 20 years later. Gerald Wallace did get drafted in the first round when he left Alabama after his freshman year. It was after his freshman year, right? He, he, he goes pro, even though he wasn't even technically a starter at Alabama. He's kind of more the sixth man. And he goes pro. And he does get drafted, but he gets drafted around 24th, 25th. You know, it's in the first round. It's the guaranteed money, and he's a first-round pick. But he went much lower than what he wanted, lower than projections. And the knock on him, now check it, the knock on him, why he went 24th and 25th, is because he wasn't a good shooter. And that was true. He he wasn't a good shooter at Alabama. I think three-point percentage was less than 25% at Alabama. He didn't have a good year shooting the ball. So he's a 24th or 25th pick. I read from some fans the, the day after the NBA draft was, see, his big mistake was coming to Alabama and getting coached by that idiot, Godfrey, who played him out of position and, 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 and couldn't help him with the shooting. And the NBA saw it as freshman year at Alabama that he wasn't a good shooter. If he had gone pro out of high school, he probably would have been a top five, a top ten pick. Uh, but he came to Alabama and uh, proved to the world he couldn't shoot. So he fell down to 25th. I'm still mad about that post 20 years later because it's so dumb. The NBA works out all of these guys extensively. Had Gerald come out after his high school season, you know what? All 30 teams would have said in their private workouts, you know what? This kid can't shoot worth a shit. He can't throw the ball into the hoop from three-point range. He's not a good shooter. Do you think Gerald would have hid that? in these personal workouts or in the NBA has combines too. They play a lot of games against each other. 
it would have been obvious to the scouts he couldn't shoot. That wasn't an Alabama thing or Godfrey thing. He wasn't a good shooter then. It took him years to develop into a shooter. But anyway, well, and we've had like six rants. Yeah, you were you're ranting your ass off over here. Um, <laughs> but the other thing is, you're right about it. Um, I think you're right, okay? But I think that if the reason their argument falls apart too is because – Look, when you come, when you play at at Duke or Arizona or UCLA or wherever for one year, you're probably not going to get a ton of coaching. I mean, you're going to get enough coaching to where you're kind of like, okay, just, you know, I want to play in the tournament. After one year, or he was going pro, he would have gone pro after his high school year. Did he have the, did they, did they have one and done then? I think he could have gone, he could have gone out, of out of high school. He could have gone out of high school and chose to to play at Alabama instead of entering the draft, and and then was, was well, told kind of by everybody around him Alabama that, that Alabama screwed it up for him. I tell you, the, yeah, Alabama screwed it up for him because we should have tied him to the couch and made him play three years at Alabama. If he'd have played three years at Alabama, he would have been a top ten pick. That's what I say. No, Stay three agree. years at Alabama, he would have been a top ten pick. That's where I'm going with that. I, Gerald Wallace wasn't going to stay more than a year, no matter what. He just wasn't going to do it. I mean, he yeah. he he was so close to going out of high school regardless. So it just – anyway. All right, so that's enough basketball talk for now. When we come back, we're going to talk Jimmy's uh, projections for the 2021 signing class. Jimmy, your signing class is up on Crimson Country Club right now. I will give you the floor. And no, well, uh, I mean, I'll pull it up and let you talk about it. Well, what positions do you want to talk about? What, what, what? I mean, we obviously need to go over it, tell everybody, you know, who the who the guys, who who we projected to sign. Your thoughts on, or what what stands out to you? It, it came out of my demented head, and I didn't know until I started the podcast. I was in a bad mood. I actually thought I was in a good mood all day, and was certainly had fun putting that up. Together, I spent expense, extensive time on it. It wasn't just something off the top of my head. I, I went through the databases. I went through offers. I just wanted I wanted it to be as accurate as it could be, fully realizing that if we look at this in December, oh, my gosh, if I got half of it right, it's going to be shocking. I mean, 50, I would be thrilled if of the 22 guys I projected to sign with Alabama, if I got 11 of them right, uh, I'll, I'll think that's a huge victory. Because that's just the nature of it. I mean, I think if you ask Nick Saban today, you know, he would never do it. But if, if Nick, for fun, if Terry Saban said, hey, Nick, write down the 22 names you think are going to sign with Alabama in December, and Nick did it today, uh, he, he would do better than me because he's, he's privy to a lot more information than I am. But, uh, but it, it wouldn't be the 22 guys. No, he, he wouldn't get all 22. He would get more than me. That's, that's, that's about all, all that would happen. Do you think that um, that's foreplay for Nick Saban and, and, and <laughs> Harry? Is she, in my world. He's like, she's like, hey, baby, tell me who you think you're going to sign in 2021. Oh, yeah. Malik McClain. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mario Williams. In my world and in, in my worldview and, and what I hope the world is actually like, I, I hope that's true. <laughs> I mean – that is 
that that is it's great and sad that that's not very far fetched. <laughs> it might be true. It might be true. So, uh, who? What name surprised you? Some of those names had to be new to you. You're a very astute follower of recruiting, but you have to be you have to be an over the top recruiting nerd to know who all those 22 guys are. Only several several of them were from in state, but not all of them. And uh, I'm sure there there would be new names on there for for almost anyone. But uh, what stood out to you is like, oh man, this sounds good. And, and what what stood out to you is, ah, oh, I hope we do better than that. Um. Well. I- I'll tell you what, the name that stood out is, I hope we do better than that. And again, this is where you get in trouble because we don't know and they, they have a senior year. And so this is not me, my taking a shot. It is my thinking that, uh, um, my thinking that, you know, I think we're in on some bigger names. This right. kid may explode, but Jalen White out of Dothan. I knew I knew you were going to go. I mean, I knew that was the name you were going to say because probably because I, you're right, and I hesitated uh, using Jalen White. Number one, he doesn't even have an Alabama offer. I put yeah. three kids down that don't even have Alabama offers yet. But you look at his offer list, and it wouldn't be crazy for Alabama to offer what Penn State, Florida State, three good SEC offers, Tennessee, South Carolina, who always has good backs, Mississippi State who has one of the best backs in the country this year in Colin Hill. Uh, you know, I, I love Jalen White, and, and to some extent, I, I want Alabama to sign more in-state guys, so maybe that might have been a little bit more of, of an LJS law push for us to sign Jalen White as opposed to reality. I'll say this. If it's not Jalen White, the biggest out-of-state name that I'm really confident on is Brandon Campbell from Texas. But here's the weird thing. Brandon Campbell has some good offers I think he, he's he's ranked among the top 50 prospects in Texas, which is a big deal. And he, he's clearly, you know, he's a Texas back, and that gets everybody excited. But here's what's interesting for all the people who go, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll take that Texas kid, not the kid from Dothan. Well, at this point, and it's early, Jalen White's ranked way ahead of Brandon Campbell in the composite. Now, it's early for those rankings, but Jalen White is ahead of him. Jalen White's a national top 150 player now. And – and I, I think that Jalen White, myself, I know this is this is me, and maybe this may prove to be wrong, and, and you guys that want to make fun of me uh, for, for saying this because it ends up being really wrong. I think Jalen White and Roy Dale Williams are basically the same guy. I mean, and I don't mean that in terms of stylistically, but if you're going to grade them at the same stage, like how good is this guy? To me, Jalen White and Roy Dale Williams are the same kid. So that's just my opinion. And it shouldn't be that big of a surprise because let's say Jalen White continues on his the path he's on now. Let's say he doesn't just explode into a um, T.J. Yeldon-esque uh, running back his senior year, okay? Let's say he, he is a good, solid in-state back. If we were going to take a chance on a kid from in-state, I think especially at running back, I think this would be the year that we could do that and say, okay, look, you didn't have the senior year. Like you didn't just immediately ascend to five-star status, but we think you have good potential and we're, we're pretty stacked at running back. I mean, yeah, we're going to lose Najee and we're going to lose Brian Robinson after next year. But I mean, Roydale Williams is there. Um, Keelan Robinson is there. Trey Sanders is there. 
Um, so, I mean, you know, we can we can sort of take a flyer on a kid. And if we're going to do that, I want to do it on a kid that's in state that has other SEC and big power five offers. And I think he's it. Now, Jimmy, let me tell you what I want to do here. I'm going to run down the entire offense. And we'll talk about maybe one more guy, then take a break, and then talk about some other guys on the offense. And then maybe we can do the defense uh, for the next podcast and and do the Auburn 2015, 2015 uh, rehash later on in the week. But the offense you put down, at quarterback you have Jalen Mil- Milrow from – is it Milrow? Is that how you say it? Milrow, yeah, okay. Milrow. Jalen Milrow from Katie Tompkins, Texas. Wide receivers are Mario Williams, uh, Ig Hall is that how we're going? I, going with it? I go Ag, but I don't know. AG. Okay, Ag Hall, Malik McLean from IMG. I, I, Hall is also from IMG. Tight end is uh, Hudson Wolf, which would be a great Hall. Uh, Trinity Bell is another tight end. Uh, the offensive lineman you have the Brockermeyer brothers, Tommy and James. Uh, Jaden Roberts from North Shore, Houston. Noah Josie from Brentwood. So that's your offense and. Let's go ahead and take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk about some more of these guys in your offense. All right, so, Jimmy, um, you know, obviously Drake May, the the fabulous quarterback, had decommitted, uh, is headed to North Carolina now. And so, ironically, now we're looking to flip somebody who is committed to Texas at quarterback, and that's Jalen Milrow from Katie Tompkins, Texas. Uh, You have written here, dual threat type who is committed to Texas but was strongly considering Alabama before Drake May's early commitment. Will he flip from the Longhorns? You know, who knows? Miller Moss from California could also be a thing. Um, I like this call for Jalen Milrow. Um, you know, he's a, a, a true dual threat guy. He's he's a lot of fun to watch on film. And um, I love any – I love Texas quarterbacks, especially one that's 6'2", 190 and athletic as hell. Well, the last time we took a quarterback named Jalen from Texas, it worked out pretty good, especially in terms of wins and losses. Milrow is a guy that is in, in, in from the same neck of the woods, really. Uh, Milrow is a guy that is more highly regarded than Hertz was at the same stage. I mean, in terms of where Hertz recruitment was and where Milrow's recruitment was at the exact same time, Milrow's the more highly regarded kid. Uh, you know, almost six two. I think he's listed as six one and a half or six two and a half. I mean, he's kind of a legitimate six one plus kid. He's a runner, but uh, but he's not a runner who can throw. He's a thrower who can run. And and, and you, you got to start there in the modern offense. I like him. The only question is, man, Texas recruiting is so weird. It's very political. It's not like Alabama. And it really explains why Texas can have all these highly rated classes, but it ends up they're not very good. <laughs> uh, it's very political. And now that the kid committed to Texas, I think decommitting from Texas from your quarterback is very tricky. So I, I, I'm not 100% convinced that this is going to be the quarterback. I'm just saying based on all available information today, that's my best guess. Uh, He was going to commit. I know that sounds crazy for me to say, but he was going to commit to Alabama, but we took Drake May over him. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, will his feelings be hurt? Of course. Uh, Is it going to be hard to decommit from the biggest school in your own state? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, you know, look where, look where, where Alabama's last two quarterbacks are about to go in the draft. 
you know, uh, look at what, look at how famous Alabama made Jalen Hurts. Uh, so I, I, I like I like our chances. It would be today's best bet, but my best bet, you know. Thankfully, we're not putting a thousand bucks on these type things. Yeah, I'd, I'd be broke. Broke as hell. Broker than, Broker. than currently. Broker than that. Yep. Yeah. Broker than currently. Uh, okay. So, and then so running back Jalen White, we talked about him, obviously. Um, we hadn't offered him. He's got a lot of good offers. Now, you only have one running back, which I, you know, yeah. hey, I, I kind of dig that. We just signed three. To me, we just signed three, and Trey Sanders will be our best returning back in 2021, and he'll just be a sophomore in terms of eligibility. That we can, yeah. he's draft eligible. So, you know, after 2021. Um, wide receivers. This is where I think it seems like we hit an absolute home run, and we have to. Uh, Mario Williams uh, from Florida uh, draws Jalen Waddle comparisons, and he should. Um, you say you see some Devontae Smith in him. Uh, he's a badass. I just, he's one of my favorites in this class. Uh, and then Hall. Uh, Aji Hall, uh, Aggie Hall, a uh, uh, Gigi Hall, um, Hall, uh, A Hall. Uh, <laughs> he's a real A Hall. He's, he's such an A Hall. <laughs> um, there's some difference of opinion about this kid early, but you say you really, really like him. He has a prototypical frame for a position and hands athleticism, a true route runner. He really seems like a taller Jerry Judy, like you say. And I think that's, and he seems to have that same kind of attitude as Jerry Judy. Yeah. He's that Florida, Florida swagger. Yep. And then Malik McLean, who uh, I love a lot. He he spent a lot of time at Daphne. Um, and now his, his current ranking is like number 615. But I think he's going to move way up. And he got the big Alabama offer today, I think. Yeah. Uh, man, uh, that this one kid I, I'm right about so little. But but I, I've been a big fan of Malik McLean's for two years. And, and you couldn't find his name anywhere. Even when I did my last big – a project on Crimson Country Club where I, I watched the in-state top 60 players and then ranked them based on the tape. I had Malik McLean eight, and he did not have an offer list at that time to justify where I put him. But I, but I, it, it was prophetic because the offers have been flowing in ever since in, in Alabama last night. I think, you know, Daphne has a, a good quarterback in Trent Battle that gets Malik the ball. But they're also not an offense that I would call wide open. And I think McLean has hurt a little bit in that Daphne offense. And Daphne isn't what they used to be, you know, in terms of super high profile. Uh, you know, they used to consistently be a, a contender to win the state championship. Now they're just sort of lucky to make the playoffs. And I think that's hurt him a little bit. But, boy, I, I don't know how he pulled it off, but going to IMG, which he just did, by the way. I mean, this is his first semester there. He was at Daphne in the fall and and IMG this semester. Uh, what a great move in terms of publicity. I, I mean, he basically, it, it, it's, it's this. No one's heard of Malik McLean or really knows him. IMG accepts him. He goes down there. He's only there working out, but every coach in the country calls IMG and goes, what do you got? And as soon as the coach says, this McLean kid from Daphne's a dude. Well, there you have it. Then the offers start flowing like wine. And that that's really what's happened with his recruitment. He's, he's not a different kid today than he was last fall. He's just at a big-time attention-getting program at IMG. That's right. Um, he, You know, you can't 
<laughs> that that's why kids want to go to IMG. I yeah. mean, nothing about there. Think, think of AG Hall, by the way, who's the other wide receiver. Yeah, the, the AG Hall, the other wide receiver at IMG. This guy's a certified badass. Everybody knows who he is. He's a national top 50 player at wide receiver. And he's like, I'm the badass wide receiver right here. And then mid-semester, they gets Malik McLean transferring in. And AG Hall probably goes to composite and goes, oh, this guy's ranked like 615. I'm still a badass around here. And then after working out with him on the field, he's like, uh-oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to lose receptions to this guy. And, gosh, they got 6'3", A.G. Hall at one receiver and 6'5", Malik McLean at the other spot. Boy, I mean, I'll tell you this, Vanderbilt's lucky that IMG is not on their schedule. Oh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. Uh, and then Mario Williams, I mean, who's one of my favorite kids in this whole class. I mean, I just think he's a bananas good. That's exactly. He's a six star. I mean, I, I'm. I, he's he's a six star. He's can't can't miss. Badass. He's small. Now he's small. He, he weighs 160 pounds. And and I know so many of our fans are like, "What? That's too small." Well, yeah. tell that to Devontae Smith and Calvin Ridley. They also showed up at 160 pounds. They weren't too small. I mean, yes, the kid's got to add some weight. Hello. I mean, high school players aren't college players. Give the kid two or three years, but uh, all, all the all the potential in the world. Um, then tight ends, uh, Trinity Bell from Albertville. Yep. Uh, this is a guy that's just, you know, he's known more for his basketball, but everybody yep. think, uh, he's going to end up playing football. Cause he is a huge kid at six, seven, two fifty six out of Aliceville. Well, here's what I like about him. Here's another kid. Alabama has not offered. So here I'm projecting him to sign with Alabama. They haven't even offered him, but he's just a kid. I like now he's a project. Another, another word that turns people off. Here's the name of another project, DJ Fluker. How'd that work out? Yeah. Now, you DJ know, was a five-star. Yeah, he was, but he was always going to be a project. I, I think any coach, any school would have told you, uh, Fluker's going to take some – Fluker couldn't even practice when he got to Alabama. He was he was so so out of – he's like Sopcher. You know, Sopcher's a project to me, and he's a five-star or somewhat close to it. And by project, all I mean is this. He's not going to show up ready to play. Yeah. You're going to have to sort of work with him, and it's going to be a work in progress. Now, the good news is his upside is just enormous. I mean, he can be an NFL first-round pick, and that, mm-hmm. that's why you take him. But there's a long way to go. And uh, these basketball guys, I mean, I'm not going to call Trinity Bell soft to his face. For one thing, if I was speaking to Trinity Bell, it wouldn't be to his face. It would be to his kneecap because he's six foot seven and I'm five foot eight, and I would be – kind of yelling up at him, you know, you're soft, but no, I, I'm not saying he's soft. What I'm saying is this, when I hear basketball first, and a lot of these kids are, when I hear basketball first, I just know from all my experience in evaluating kids, a lot of times that doesn't work out because football is a really, really rough sport. And the basketball players tend to like, tend to like whistles when there's contact. And right. in football, in football, in football, there's just contact on every snap, and there's not a whistle. So, it's a heck of an adjustment for the basketball first guys. Um, and, and again, I, but I love the upside, and this is this is this is what his upside is to me, Luke. He's six seven two fifty six. If I told you, hey, there's a tight end that's six seven two fifty six, your first thought is going to be, well, gosh, that's like having a third tackle on the field. He's humongous. He's going to seal the edge in the run game. Well, yeah, he, he hopefully down the road he can do that. But Trinity's a receiver first. 
you would wa watch his tape and think he's an H-back, not a Y. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. his tape is sort of O.J. Howard-ish. I mean, that's kind of what he looks like, even though he's so much bigger. And, of course, he's playing in some pretty bad competition up there in the Sand Mountain area. But but I I, I would gamble on Trinity Bell, and I know a lot of people are like, no, don't, we haven't even offered him. Well, here who here's who has offered him, Auburn, Florida, and Tennessee. And if we don't offer him in three or four years from now, he's on the field whooping our ass from their tight end position, I'm going to be like, why, do, why don't the coaches listen to our podcast? I like the fact that you just pissed off all of North Sand Mountain. <laughs> They're good folk up there. They're very patient. They'll understand. Uh, okay. Uh, the other tight end was Hudson Wolf out of Tennessee. He's the more highly rated guy. Yes. Guys, I would love to get two tight ends at 6'6 six, six and above. Yeah, Wolf has some. Uh, Wolf loves Alabama. Disagree. I no, no, I, I, no, I want the, I want those two tight ends, and, and if it's not Trinity Bell, it might be another highly rated guy, which would be great. There's a kid in Texas, Lake McCree, who who was formerly committed to Texas, decommitted. He wants to look around. He could end up being our second tight end, and he's certainly more highly rated than Trinity Bell. But uh, Hudson Wolf, uh, I'm a big fan of his. He's a block first, catch ball second guy, like a Hale Hinchis, like a like a Major Tennyson. But uh, more upside than those guys because he's more athletic than they are. I don't know what Hudson Wolf's connections are to Alabama, but I believe I think his family would like him there. I mean, I, I get the feeling that uh, that for a kid that lives in Hardin County, Tennessee, I think Hudson Wolf is, is sort of a gump, and I mean that as you know a compliment. He's one of us. Yes. Okay. Uh, we've got to speed through these. I didn't realize how long we were taking on this shit. Um, so coming back the other way with offensive linemen, uh, yeah, Brockermeyers. I mean, everybody knows about the Brockermeyers, but why don't you tell everybody about Noah Josie, who I think mm -hmm. that's probably the one people know the littlest about, or maybe Jaden Roberts. So just briefly talk about yeah. those two, and then we'll call it a day. Yeah, Josie's probably a national top 200, national top 250 guy. He's not going to create a lot of headlines he's more solid uh than spectacular but uh the, the interior offensive line isn't that where you're looking for solid they don't have to be spectacular they're never high draft picks they're all projects they're all well he's got a chance let's put him in the weight room and see see what happens in three years he's more of a bozeman more of a seth mclaughlin but he loves alabama he's been to tuscaloosa several times plays at a very good program at Brentwood Academy. We've signed offensive linemen out of there before. Uh, again, solid. Uh, could we do better in terms of a better, more highly rated athlete? We could and we might. Uh, the other guy, Jaden Roberts, was a high school teammate of Damian George, the massive lineman from North Shore High School in Houston, Texas. Damian George, this is his, this is his teammate who's also 6'4", 330 pounds. North Shore had to have the largest offensive line south of the National Football League last year. I don't know what their opponents just must have shuddered. I found Jaden Roberts, not that he wasn't already found, but when I watched tape of Damian George last year, you can't help but notice, look at this freaking beast beside him, you know, because they would kind of line up together on the same side of the line of scrimmage and just something else. But Jaden Roberts is a run block first. I said in my blog, he's the next Cornbread Brown. 
I don't mean that he's going to be as good as Cornbread. I mean, I don't know that, that those are fair expectations because Cornbread might be the best run blocker in the SEC, but he's like Cornbread uh, in terms of what we need to expect in terms of body type and what he brings to the table. I mean, nobody's as good as Cornbread. Heck no. I mean, Cornbread might, he might really be the best run blocker in the whole SEC. Well, I mean, it like I just like Cornbread. Cornbread is solid, man. That's a that's a solid choice of food. Underrated vegetable bread. Um, okay, so that's going to do it for this episode as we literally are, are about to run out of time. Uh, so roll tide, everybody. Roll tide.